Okay. So we're going to be doing now the Tanya for the 14th, the 15th, and the 16th of Nisan, taking us through the first two days of the holiday of Pesach and concluding Chapter 40. So we're raising now a question. The question is, in essence, why is it that the commandment without the infusion of intent of love and fear can't rise to God? And yet with that intent, it does. So to understand that, the Rebbe says, let's look at our world and see how it's different than the other worlds. And there's basically two criterion. Even though, of course, in a sense, everything is God. It's all the same. It's all being vivified by his will. But the worlds are not the same from the perspective of the recipients, from two ways. One aspect is, to what degree is the godliness manifest or constricted? And the second aspect is, to what degree are their garments obscuring the godliness? And in our physical world, both of those aspects are at their nadar point, meaning that in our world, the energy of God is the most constricted, which is why it can be a physical world. And also, additionally, there are enormous barriers, garments, masking and concealing that godliness until the ultimate mask, the ultimate barrier that we call klipas naiga, this level of evil which creates this admixture of godliness and evil in our world, which is the source of life of all things pure in our world, of all things permissible in our world, and from which, of course, evolves to feed and ultimately vivify things that are also forbidden. So if we look at our world, and here we have a person learning Torah, or a person doing a commandment, which of these aspects are still an obstruction? Well, the second aspect is not. Remember, the first aspect is that the godliness is so constricted. The second aspect is that there's these barriers obstructing the godliness, which in general we're calling the barrier called klipas naiga. So that second issue is removed when one is learning or doing God's will in any form. Because at that point, the godly energy is from a source of holiness, which transforms that klipas naiga barrier concealing the godliness and actually elevates it to be part of a level of holiness. So therefore, at this point, even without any intent, without any godly focus, without any love or fear, the whole klipas naiga barrier syndrome is completely removed. But we still have the first problem. And the first problem is that in our world, for it to be a physical world, the godliness in general, forget about the barriers around the godliness, we just removed those problems. But the godliness in general is very, very, very constricted. And we're talking here about a physical act, part of the physical world in which the godliness is very constricted. You're studying with a physical voice. You are doing commandment with physical body using the physical materials of our physical world. So therefore, and again, for it to be physical, the godliness has to be very constricted. So since the godliness is so constricted, we don't have the energy, even though this act is an act of holiness, 
And even though there's no barriers around the godliness now, because the Klippas Noga barrier has become part of the godly experience here, but the godliness itself is very, very minimized and very constricted and can't energize the act for it to ascend to a world. But when one is infusing the Torah study or the commandment with intent, with the mind and heart focused on God, that intent is truly the source of the act you're doing, because you're only doing it because of that intent. I love God and therefore I want to do his will. I love God and therefore I'm saying these godly words. I want to connect to God and therefore I'm saying these godly words. And therefore that intent, which is pure godliness, can elevate the act despite the limitation of the godly energy in this world up to the source of that intent, which as we've discussed would either be the world of Yitzhira, the world of formation, if it was a natural emotion, the Jewish instinct, or even higher, the world of Bria, the world of creation, if it was a love-fear created by intellect. Now at this point, the commandment or the study of Torah through your intent has now been elevated to the spiritual world which is truly the origin point of the spirituality of the intent which was the origin of the commandment. If a person does not have the intent invested then as we said it's stuck. It's earthbound. But if you do have the intent invested it's going very very high and it's causing tremendous things to happen as the Rebbe explains in a side note here, that when a Jew has this intention, wants to connect to God, wants to be subservient to God, and therefore is doing an expression of God's will, the commandment, this actually elevates all the way up to the highest spiritual world. Because as we've explained before, the commandment fuses with the core godliness of whatever world is the real origin point of the intent. And the godliness of that world contains within it the higher godliness, which contains within it the higher godliness, going all the way back to God himself. So even though your commandment was done with the natural Jewish, intuitive, instinctive love and fear of God, which means the commandment ascended to the world of Yitzhira, the world of formation, but within there it fused with the godliness of the higher world of creation of Bria. Within there it fused with a higher world, the godliness of of emanation, of being. And at that point, it's using with the energy of God himself, of his will for this commandment to happen. Now, this is a tremendous, auspicious time because here God wants something to happen. He wills it to be. And you, on your own, have initiated doing exactly what God wants, exactly what God is looking for, so to speak, which causes God's love, God's kindness to flow in response to you having done his will. And when God's kindness is flowing, of course, by God, we have the source of all emotions. We have all the kindnesses and love. We have all the severities and judgments. But when all of these emotions are released, the kindness overwhelms and sweetens the severities. And therefore, what's now flowing to all the worlds below is a sweetened version of God's emotions coming because you caused God's emotions to be expressed and sweetened 
through the fact that you did what he wanted. You're doing his commandment with that love and fear is eliciting God's will to cause the sweetening of the judgment. And this effect that now flows down to all the world because you below created this reaction. Based on all of this, we can understand why our sages call love and fear the wings. As we say, a bird needs two wings to fly. If he doesn't have both wings, he's not going to fly. A bird can't fly with one wing. And similarly, your commandments need the two wings of love and fear to fly, to ascend to God. And if they don't have this, it's just like a chick, just like a chick that can't fly, that's too weak to fly. So too, your commandment is too weak to go anywhere if it doesn't have the strong, powerful wings, the arms of the bird, the love and fear. Now, of course, if we think of a bird, without its wings, it's still a kosher bird. If, if its wings were were snipped, it still is a bird. It still exists. The main part of it is its body. But what do the wings do? The wings allow it to ascend. So, so too, that's a perfect metaphor. The main thing is the commandment itself. You did the commandment. You studied the Torah. You did God's will. That's the body of the bird. But if you don't have the wings of love and fear, yes, you created a perfectly healthy bird. But it can't go anywhere because it doesn't have wings. And with the love and the fear of God, these are the wings that take this act and ascend it to this high world. Now, what's interesting, on the side note here, the Rebbe explains that we have four spiritual worlds. And in each world, there's also a Tyra, which is related to that world, the lowest world. The world of Asiya, the world of action, is associated with the Tyra of the Chumash, of the text, Tanakh. The five books of Moses, the prophets, the writings. The next higher world, the world of Yitzhira, the world of formation, is associated with Mishnah, which is the first codification of the oral law, of what God, God's will is, halacha. The next spiritual world, the world of Bria, the world of creation, is associated with Talmud, the understanding, the analysis, the argumentation and debate on the laws. And the highest spiritual world, Atsilos, the world of being, the world of emanation, is associated with this very esoteric aspect of Tyra, the esoteric aspect of God's will called Kabbalah. So therefore, your Torah study is going to reach the world that's associated with it. And if you study Kabbalah, it would ascend to Atsilos, the highest world. And if you study the Chumash, Tyra, it would ascend to the lowest world. The world of action, the world of Asiya. But someone could say, wait a minute, what's going on here? Is not the most important thing the Torah itself? Is not the five books of Moses the holiest thing we have? That's the written Torah. Why are we saying the written Torah is in the lowest of the worlds and Kabbalah, this esoteric dimension, is the highest? So the Rebbe clarifies in this side note that actually all of the Torahs start out in the highest world. Both the written Torah. And the Mishnah, the first codification of the law. And the Talmud, the exposition, the analysis, the argumentation on the laws. And the Kabbalah, the esoteric dimension, they all start out in the highest world. And then, depending on their spiritual energy, that's how far they can descend. 
So since the written Torah has the most energy, it can go all the way down to the lowest world, the world of action, the world of Asiya. And then the law itself, as codified in the Mishnah, can go all the way down to the world of Yitzira. Because again, halacha, the Jewish law, is what, what God wants. It's his emotion. So it relates to the world of emotion. And then Talmud goes down to the world of Bria, because Talmud is the world of intellect. And Talmud is intellect. And Bria is the world of intellect. And the world of intellect is Talmud, the intellectual analysis of the laws. And Kabbalah, the esoteric dimension, which is about God himself, stays in the world of Atzilus, the highest world of being and emanation, because that's the world about God. So this is a brief exposition on, as we study where exactly that Torah is going to ascend based on its nature, its energy, the energy of the Torah herself, and the nature of the world. Now, to conclude the chapter, a person could say, but wait a minute. We're talking about love and fear as the wings of the bird. But aren't love and fear also the bird itself? Meaning, there's a godly commandment to love God. There's a godly commandment to have all of God, to fear God. Why are we calling them the wings? They're the bird. But it says this is true. But we call them the wings because how does one fulfill the commandment of loving God? Doing from love, serving from love. If one loves in a vacuum, that's like the, the love a saint can have, a love which is just a pleasure and delight in God, like the love we'll have in the world to come like the love we'll have in the times of the Mashiach or the Messiah. But in this world, we have to do. So love is not supposed to be in a vacuum and fear is not supposed to be in a vacuum. We love, and because we love, we do, and that becomes the body of the bird. We fear, and because we fear, we do, and that's the body of the bird. And the love and the fear, which are the catalysts of that action, they're the wings that this bird, this commandment, this godly act, can ascend to these spiritual worlds, and as we've learned in this chapter, cause so much to be accomplished, including, as we spoke from the side note, including mitigating God's severities and judgments with his kindness, because you initiated a process of showing God how much you love him and are doing his will. If a person doesn't get to this point, and he's like, I love God so much, I fear God so much, but he doesn't do the commandment, it's like the prophet said, whoever's thirsty, go drink. And we're like, well, that's an absurd statement. Obviously, if you're thirsty, you go drink. We say, no, 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 it's allegorical. It means you should go learn Torah to quench your thirst. But it also seems self-obvious. If I want to learn, obviously I know I need to learn to quench my thirst to learn. There says, no, that's not what we're saying here. You know what you're thirsty for? You're thirsty for God. You love God. You fear God. You're thirsty for God. But some people don't make the connection and understand that when they're thirsty for God, when they're loving God and fearing God and wanting God, they have to go learn Tyra. They have to go do the commandments. And that's the only way to quench the thirst. Because people could feel, I love God so much. What does keeping the Sabbath have to do with God? What does keeping kosher have to do with God? What does being an honest person have to do with my desire for a relationship with God? But that's what the prophet's saying. You're thirsty, go drink water. You want God? Learn his Torah. Do his commandments. And by doing these acts and by studying these words, 
your thirst for God will be quenched.